and boom goes the dynamite. And welcome to episode 35 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the Prorosi Only Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Lawrence and special guest, he of the Military Industrial Suplex here on this feed, just released a new episode interviewing the outlandish Zicky Dice. Please welcome back to the program, Tom Batista. Tom, Lawrence, how are you this, uh, well, this, uh, this, uh, this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, thank you for having me, Lawrence. Thank you for having me. Uh, this has been a very interesting week, to say the least. I'm sure we're going to cover that, as well as another exciting episode of Dynamite. And as you mentioned, I just want to plug myself now while I'm talking. A very outlandish episode of the Military Industrial Suplex on the Pro Wrestling Only feed. The same feed. That you're listening to this show. Lawrence, how are you, man? Wow. Um uh <laughs> I don't know. I I don't really know. I mean I, I, I don't know what to say, um, how I'm feeling because uh I've I've had such a weird up and down week at this point where I just don't even know what where I'm at anymore. So yeah, I, I can understand. It's been kind of a another one of those, uh, <laughs> as I said on a, a couple episodes ago, an emotional meat grinder for quite a lot of reasons. Not least of which, you know, the 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 unrest and the just very justified and necessary unrest uh, going on in this country right now. Uh, Tom, I know you actually had some firsthand experience with some of this and, and, and a mere 24 hours away from getting tear gas for um, a, a dictator's photo op. Uh, why don't you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So living in the uh, DC area, we get to see some pretty amazing things and unfortunate things. We get to see the first black president sworn in. Uh, we get to see uh, Osama bin Laden, when he was captured, so many people stormed D.C. to celebrate that uh, fantastic day as the lighthouse slowly turned to all colors of the rainbow when marriage equality was passed. And then there's the unfortunate scary times when we start talking about the militarization of the police. Uh, we talk about the police state. We talk about uh, dictatorships and for me personally for a long time this existed in history books and uh, what we see in other countries on the news throughout media uh, but in the most recent years via twitter mostly and through executive order and through other ways and means the president has uh, done a lot of dictator uh, totalitarian authoritarian uh, actions and one of the most recent was pushing away protesters using the United States military, push away peaceful protesters in order to get a photo op for him and select members of his organization in front of a church. Uh, 
that I was at a few days prior, as just uh, Jeffrey mentioned. And it's just very unsettling. It's unsettling to see that work was not done at the beginning. And so now we see what we're seeing now. We're experiencing what we're experiencing. We're feeling what we're feeling. And in some cases, have always felt. But we have to keep stepping and move on. We all have responsibilities. We have gimmicks that come in the mail every day. Well, not every day, but every other day, every week, however it is. They're called bills. We have lives. We have families. So we push these feelings back until, unfortunately, something happens again. And right now what we're seeing is we're seeing a president who talks a big game on social media. Uh, but when it comes time to confront the people, for the first time in over a century, the White House goes dark. The lights are out. There's no candy in the White House for the leaders, and Trump is afraid to address the people. It's an unfortunate and scary circumstance that we're in right now. Um, you know, I, I, I live in, in well, in, in the burbs of Chicago, so uh, I haven't been directly touched by this, although... Um, the, the neighborhood where my office is ha, has been, even though I haven't been there since March because of of quarantine and, and stay at home orders. Um, Lawrence, I'm not sure how your direct area has been affected by all this. Um, in terms of what? Uh, in any of the uh, any of the, uh, the the protests or any of the violence that seems to have oh, uh, accompanied uh... some of it. Oh, um, oh yeah. Um, I mean, we've had a was it was I ninety five and uh, was blocked. Um, at route, we're near Route eight. Uh, connects to I ninety five and uh, I also I eighty four. Um, in Connecticut was also uh, in Waterbury, uh, which I go by all the time. Um, was was blocked off by protesters. Um, I know the other day there was like twenty something arrests in Waterbury. Um, during that stuff, um, off the top of my head, I'm, if I heard anything else, um, oh, and, um, we've had, um, well, there's supposed to be a, uh, uh, something going on in West Haven in like three days. Um, and then, uh, there was like supposed like threats from like, like people like bringing weapons and stuff to, to it, like white, white guys, like bringing weapons and stuff to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there were some threats made in in Chicago at various places as well, but I don't think anything. I don't know if anything specifically came from that. I mean, obviously we had some, you know, violence and unrest, you know, and, and looting and things like that in in Chicago, um, which doesn't doesn't help when you know we were one of the first cities that had institute the curfews. Which you know, hey, surprise, you know, Lori Lightfoot isn't just a, a cute meme. For lockdown, she was also, you know, a cop. So, you know, cop's going to cop, you know, uh, uh -huh. even if they're the mayor. And, mm. you know, you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, the response in, in, in New York City as well from, from that mayor. And, you know, it, it just basically... It, they're trying to put this country on a wartime footing and turn citizens against one another when really the whole point is, is you know, it, 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 it's time for 
us to face up to our own history and, and, and things that have been institutions here in this country. And it, a, a lot of people who look like me aren't, you know, really ready to do that yet. Still, after 400 goddamn years, you know? Mm. And, 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 and here we are. Um, oh, jeez. You know, it, you know, just to bring this somewhat on topic for this program, I, I think a lot of that came to a head when yesterday uh, the the owner of uh, of One Hour Tees Pro Wrestling Tees oh. here in Chicago, showed know, who, who does who you know by the way makes most of the most if not all of the merch for for All Elite Wrestling. Um, tweeted about how it sucks he had to board up his store because he was and he seemed to be a lot more worried about looters than justice and um, it's just uh, uh, well trust trust me dude nobody wants to loot your fucking gilded t-shirts so i I don't think you should have anything to worry about or yeah the uh what is it direct to garment printing yeah Uh, yeah oh but uh, and you know I, I I have been guilty of, of of buying product from them before. I mean again they're local to me now, but you know the, I I see billboards featuring you know the Young Bucks and and uh, Colt Cabana on the expressways for for uh, for one hour teas. But you know just to be so tone deaf and. You know, it's just, you know, re- pro wrestling in general, it was just so tone deaf in response to everything. Like, did, did anyone actually buy the WWE statement yesterday? Oh, wow. Uh, of how it committed to, to anti-racism the, the World Wrestling uh. Entertainment is. When we, we can go and present, a, you know, an entire history yeah, of racism in that company. Yeah. Ask Bad News Brown uh, about that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Ask, 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 ask Booker Tony T. Atlas. How about Booker ask T? Tony At- ask Tony Atlas about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, real, really buying that one. That's who, boy. Ask, ask Vince McMahon, use, <laughs> using who used the N word live on on national television. Um. So. But but let's touch on that, because what we're talking about now, let's just go back. A few years ago, seven years ago or so, when Eric Garner died. And when you begin scaling up with so many uh, different people in various situations, all unfortunate that could have easily been avoided uh, through training, etc., etc., what we see now, we're seeing that the ties have turned for, in some cases, let's be very clear, for political reasons. There are some people that it took a long time. For them to realize the underlining message of Black Lives Matter, there is there isn't an only Black Lives Matter. There isn't a Black Lives Matter more. It's Black Lives Matter. Of course, all lives matter, and of course, we want to ensure uh, that people of all races, ethnicities, gender, etc. It doesn't matter the identity. We want to ensure that there's. Uh, level playing field and equality and equity and justice for all. You always have to avoid, in my opinion, the extreme situations 
or you have to rather understand the extreme situations so you can begin to scale up. If you cannot deal with restraining someone when the stakes are low, what are you going to do when the stakes are high? And is discombobulated as of right now. What does that go back to what you were saying as far as to bridge this thought or rather tie it into pro wrestling tees? A lot of people are more concerned with the looting and riding and not really the people. And that's one of the things that we've seen over the last few years with the way people use social media and the, their brand loyalty. And in some cases, uh, sacrificing uh, some sort of intellect into believing that being pro-capitalism, pro-billionaire, pro-economy, regardless of the actual outcome, is somehow smart. It shows that you're with it, that you know what's going on. And with the pro wrestling tees, what we see there is we see a guy who has made a lot of money, more concerned with his store than with people. We've seen during a pandemic, sports fans are not watching Raw or SmackDown as the ratings continue to decrease. And so I doubt during a pandemic, people are deciding to pick up a Roman Reigns print from pro wrestling teams. We're seeing people doing things for these corporations, for these big businesses, and it's framed as heartwarming and wholesome and beautiful. Men and women taking time out of their day to wash banks, to wash these corporate buildings, Target, etc. When all of them have money, they all have insurance, they will come back fine. Unfortunately, this time is really exposing people of those who value property more than money. People who are quiet, they are the silent moderates that Martin Luther King Jr. mentioned not too long before his assassination. And we are seeing that now in the pro wrestling world where some are afraid to speak out because they will be blackballed in the industry. There are some actively blackballing people in the industry. And then there are some who just don't want to say anything at all. And they want to continue plugging their YouTube channels as if nothing else is going on in the world. And then you have Stephanie McMahon and WWE coming out, as with other people, where in some cases it just seems completely disingenuous. Well, right. And and there's a lot of disingenuity going on here, too, I think. Because, you know, when we have, you know, a, a certain executive vice president... Um, you know, making statements, you know, we, we, we love everybody. We want this company to be inclusive. They even start the show with a Black Lives Matter, you know, pre-title sequence ad. Um, but you can, but we also know that at least one executive vice president voted for Trump too. And, and supported this tacitly. And it, it's just, you know, it, it it's again it's you know the, the 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 corporate brand speak trying to come through in the middle of this and it, it's completely disingenuous well meanwhile you know the military is being brought out and people are being tear gassed a, a weapon 
banned for use in in actual warfare, but is being used against American citizens. So you know it, it's yeah. I mean, re- pro wrestling has a lot of problems. Recognizing what what's right, I think a lot of times is is one of those things. And 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 you know, be which side which side is the right side to be on, you know. And I think we I think we're seeing that here, and I think you know it's going to become more apparent as time goes on. I mean, we could even talk about it with regard to this particular show, even. Um. Well, we we can get into that here soon, but I mean, basically, if you know, when you look at you know, rather than spending your money on AEW or any other merch from pro wrestling tees, maybe give to, you know, your local bail funds uh, or to your local Black Lives Matter or NCAA, NAACP chapter, excuse me. Um, you know, just something else that will you know, go to community orgs. You know, may, maybe, like, don't buy into the inherent capitalism of pro wrestling and maybe do something, something good for your your community and your conscience during this time instead, you know? I, so I, I guess let me, let me, let me ask you a question. And this is for Lawrence as well. <clears throat> for those that are essentially against uh, anything progressive in pro wrestling. So they don't want to hear about people of color. Uh, they don't want positive storylines or realistic storylines relating to um the representation of those people, uh, LGBTQI plus, uh, they don't want them included. They don't want to hear about trans lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I guess I'm just really trying to figure out the end goal here, of someone who is a racist who doesn't want any of this stuff. What do you think ultimately they want their wrestling to be? Because I don't believe that in a lot of cases they want it to be. KKK characters walking around, you know, with the world title. But no, what, what, what am, am I missing something? I feel like well, I'm missing something because I I can't under, I I just can't grasp my head of someone saying, oh no, they're showing a black guy in good, you know, in, in good standing and he has a job and whatever. I can't watch this show anymore. So what? I guess what am I missing? Lawrence, uh, can you go ahead first? I think these individuals that that do that are they they unfortunately I think they look to wrestling too much as a, as a total escapism from everything and they uh firmly believe that, like it it should be so insular to the point where it doesn't really evolve, which is dangerous, inherently dangerous, uh, as it is for the the that type of entertainment. Because every source of entertainment has to evolve with the times, with changes in society, and and whatnot. Um, but the, uh, there seems to be a certain subsection of fans that just are really just um, they they think it's like, oh, you know, you know, you're pushing identity politics on us and, and, and this and that. And I, I, I think they're very, uh, just they're averse to it. Cause they 
they don't want like they they feel like I think they feel like they're being preached to, which I I, I don't I don't not as I'm not saying I agree with them at all. I'm just I'm just trying to say from their perspective that that's probably what they're thinking. They they're thinking that they're being like preached to, and they think they're they're in like school. And I, I think a lot of these people, they, they try to tend to look for it as like a, a complete escape from everything. Where you can interwove, you know, the, those two things can be interwoven together. Like, you can have people be trans and wrestle. Like, it's not like a, like, it's, they're not like beating you over the head with anything. Like, Oh, go you know ahead. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I, like, like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm like not trying to sympathize with these people. I'm, I'm just saying like, I think, I think that's where their like their head is at, and they feel like they're being like, you know, it, it's almost like they're they're being talked down to, in a way of like of like, hey, you know, hey, you like, you should like this because, but it, when it's not that, but that's what they're they're immediately think they're thinking is because they're so stuck in in their old ways you know and maybe just some of them are just not educated enough on on those subjects and refuse to be educated some of them because they just don't want to learn more well if i can interject here i think there's a there's a similarity between this and and something i've seen a lot in in comics lately too and, and other things um you know especially you know there's a there's a comics gate movement you know in comics because you know we don't want, you know, politics in our comics and all these SJWs forcing agendas down there. Yeah, because yeah, because we all know that the one thing that comic books have never been is political. You know, right? Oh, oh right. You know? I know. And That's like, it, 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 and it's like, it, it, I think what the, the the change here is is that there's always been, you know, um, like, there, like there's dude, always been. That, I, oh, go ahead. X Men. The X Men was like. That's like one of the most like diverse like groups out there. Well, yeah, the the, the X Men were always a stand-in for whatever you know oppressed minority that the that the uh, that the writers wanted to talk about that week. Right. You know, and, like, until the hello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, what was the first what was the first issue of Captain America? Yeah. The, 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 the cover him punching Hitler years before we even got involved with World War Two. You know. Yeah. I mean. So I mean, it, it's it, you know, it, 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 it's a nonsense argument. I think in wrestling, the change was is when you had, yeah, you know, there's always been, you know, black wrestlers. There's always been gay wrestlers. There's or you know, or gay gimmick wrestlers. There's always been trans or trans gimmick wrestlers. I think that the difference is that, what what you know, the the, the backlash came is that when they weren't the heels anymore. Yeah, or they or they were expected to be taken seriously. Right. Instead of, a comedy, that, instead of a comedy heel gimmick that, you know... No, right, exactly. That That's that's 100% correct, Jeff. I Yeah, I couldn't have put that much better than that. So, I mean, it, it's like that. So, it's like, well, we don't want this being shoved on our throats because, you know, we don't, we don't want any of this, you know, like you said, this identity politics in our wrestling. Well, no, it's always been there. It's just, you know, was never... It was always considered the heels who do that. Right. Yes. And it's so interesting on how when you begin to uh, show the kaleidoscope, if you will, of just human life, where you focus on just one aspect and you say, okay, well, this person's a heel, you leave it at that. But 
when you begin to show that this person can laugh and cry and they have fears and hopes and dreams and family and friends and every just the human experience, just life, just showing that and showcasing that some people, as you mentioned, feel they're being preached to because they only heard one story. A long time ago, I did an episode of the Military Industrial Suplex. I believe it was my first episode. And in it, we spoke about the queer narratives that have been established and pushed uh, through, some, uh, through some time. And like I said, it is really unfortunate. Uh, like I said, I definitely agree and understand where you guys are coming from. And Lawrence, uh, what you're uh, talking about is just more so the expression and the uh, completeness, or not even the completeness, uh, perhaps that's the wrong word, but really just exploring the duality of humanity uh, is very uncomfortable for people because then you have right. to realize that the pedestal that you feel you're on for whatever reason that may be is not really a pedestal and everyone else is there as well. And uh, it definitely involves a different engagement in the world, uh, with the world, with people, uh, with relationships, yeah. and so it's a big change. It, it's it, it's people become very very scared when they're thinking and their their thought process that has not been challenged for several years is finally called into question, and that's that's what happens here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and even then, I mean, you can look at things that lo- were looked at at the time to be incredibly progressive, and you see it through the lens now, and you realize just still how incredibly bigoted it is, you know? Yeah. In, in, in regards to many, many things, not just professional wrestling or, 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 or any other entertainment. You yeah. know? And I think that for me, one of the best things to do, um, obviously you can't convince everyone. Uh, But I believe in long-form dialogue, honest conversations, uh, be as intellectually honest as possible. State your objectives, make it clear, and work through that. Uh, Get past platitudes, get past the one-liners, really dig deep. When you use social media, I guess one of the most unfortunate aspects of social media is that, for the most part, the people who need to see the injustice who need the message even more, have already muted on unfollowed uh, people that they don't like. They've created their own algorithm uh, with the help of YouTube and uh, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, just all these social media platforms where essentially the reality that they experience now uh, with the conjunction of big tech, or rather with the help of big tech, has all made us alone together. Yeah, we have divided those gaps, right? I mean, and things are very divisive right now. We do need to, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say we all need to come together. Yes, we do. We need to come together and and smash the institution and the you know the the the, the institutionalized racism, the systemic racism, you know, white supremacy on massa needs to be smashed. That's what we need to be uniting over. Quite frankly. Oh. Of course. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And you know, th- and that's where I'm going to stand. So I'm going to be again. You know, it, it, ra- rather than you know giving money to to companies who are more worried about you know 
property damage than justice. I, you know, the, the, there's quite a the, there's quite an array of people you could donate to and, and, and support. I know Lawrence and both Lawrence and myself have done that. This past, you know, this past weekend, this past week, Tom, I don't, I can't speak for you, of course. I'm sure you have as well. You were actually on the ground at protests. Yes. So, and if you can't be on the ground at a protest, it, it's okay. Not everybody can do it, you know? Yeah. Of, Especially of since we still have a pandemic going on, too. Don't forget. Yeah, so, yeah I'm not trying to kill my, kill my grandparents. And, <laughs> right. And, but and, I mean, and that's why I always say, if you can't go to a protest... If you can't donate either time or money, because obviously, again, everyone has responsibilities and I can't be in everyone's pocket. We we all have our own story. But what we all can spare and should spare is conversation, time to have yeah. a conversation. Right. That is free. You can do it on your social media. You can do it in real life. And that's what you can do. Also, defund the police and, and abolish ICE. So, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily today, the LAPD announced that they are going to Whoa. defund themselves, I guess, or ask uh, yeah. City Hall to take away one hundred to $150 million of its budget. Uh-huh. So, it, it, so that, that, that's that before, a start. But, was that before you know. or after the complete bullocking they got on that uh, on that video conference call? Yeah, oh, that, that yeah. was after. Yeah, yeah that uh, was after. Yeah. <laughs> So saying stuff works, guys. Just well, you know, it, somebody somebody put push that out there is like, uh, you know, six days into the riots in the '60s, the the uh, the Civil Rights Act was passed. So, mm-hmm. so you know, yeah. if you're listening and you're protesting, you you're helping out with the cause. Yeah, good on you. Keep it up, and, yeah, and, and we we are supporting you. At least on, funny. The, on this show. And it's like, I just find it funny because it's like a lot of these people are trying to say like, oh, hey, like, oh, you know, like, well, we got things done with peace. It's like, no, no, the fuck we didn't. We never think got things done with peace really in this country ever. Yeah, I no. mean, that's never that's never been. Yeah, how yeah it was. I can't think it, of I mean, one you could situation. Tra- tra- trace it back all the way to the fucking Boston Tea Party, for God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, like, the God's sakes, we were throwing the fucking British's. D- dumbass tea into the fucking river. I mean, well, yeah, but that was also uh, because the... because upper class white men didn't want to pay taxes. Oh well, so, yeah. yeah, but well, you know, yeah, at, at the same time, you know, we we could uh, also get uh, into how I, how things get co opted so so much, and we could be here all night. Yeah, <laughs> right, <that>. right. Like <laughs> like everyone's saying, like, oh, you know, we got to stop doing you know certain things, but like already we're getting there's like stuffs happening right now. Like things are getting done like like these charges are, are just got upped uh in the in the floyd case i mean like you know you see like that happening with the lapd uh there's been a law already proposed i, I i've seen that the that's going to try to take immunity out of police and court cases and uh it, it's things are happening yeah things well, are happening well all, all we need to do is just keep it up so anyway, uh, we support Black Lives Matter on this program. Uh, whether or not AEW actually does, despite, despite the ad at the top of the show, we don't know. Oh, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, that that will remain to be seen. But with that, let's let's actually get into this episode of Dynamite. Um, 
coming to you uh, taped from Daly's place in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. We, and it's the fact that it was taped is going to come into play with with something I'm going to critique about this show. Uh, but with your hosts, uh, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, uh, we go right into the first AEW World Tag Team title match in quite some time uh, as uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page defend against <sighs> Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. They just had the lead off with this one just to get it out of the way early, I suppose. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. When I saw this match, the first thing I thought of was Jeffrey saying uh, once Jimmy Havoc came on for one of the tapings in Dark at Rosemont, he said, no, I'm not sitting in traffic for a Jimmy Havoc match. <laughs> no, no, that was in, uh, in Hoffman Estates, actually. Rosemont. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. WWE runs Rosemont. What, you you mean Chicago? In... <laughs> you mean Chicago? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, WWE is in Rosemont. Uh, AEW has Hoffman Estates, so. <laughs> only, t- uh, only 10 man. minutes from my house, too, so. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this match, uh, wasn't much of anything, to be honest. I mean, I, you could just see, as much as I criticize, and, and, and Lawrence and I have been mocking Kenny Omega for years across this show and in Strong Style Story, there were, you could just see the absolute gulf in class between Paige and Omega and Havoc and, and Sabian. Jim, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian make fucking Kenny Omega look like Luthez. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Kenny Omega looked looked every bit of the seven star wrestler that Dave Meltzer makes him out to be against these two schlubs. It's it's embarrassing. It's honestly embarrassing uh, that uh, how bad these two guys are. I mean, it's they're 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 just so painfully uninteresting to watch wrestle. I I, I can't put it any nicer way. Really, I I just I really can't. They're um. Their offense is just Jimmy Havoc is the most one-dimensional wrestler on the planet. I, I I mean, he just literally can only do plunder, and that's it. Yeah, well, yeah. Where did they get this idea that he he is some world of sport, you know, technician, well, like Zack Saber Jr. or somebody? Where where I mean, do they get this idea? <laughs> like he's not like he knows how to do that stuff, but he doesn't do it with nearly the same resolve or or, or charisma or anything, or or even just. Um, skill <laughs> that the, some of those other guys do it with. So it's like, it just comes off looking like a, a muddled mess and just, a, oh God, I I don't even, there, there was just like, I don't even remember like much of this match. It was just so like painfully dull. I, I mean, Penelope got thrown out at one point, I yeah. guess. And, and then like FTR, FTR, we're watching. Hey, how about FTR that? FTR, we're, we're yeah, we're pan to the obviously kind of indicating that you know obviously at some point in the future they're going to be challenging for the the titles whether whoever holds it. Um, and yeah, uh, they hit that double team move. Oh, excuse me. I said, God, I'm going just talking about this match. Uh, well, well, yeah, maybe we should move on unless, uh, Tom, uh, you have anything you want to add? <laughs> well, I'm probably going to make Lawrence fall asleep. In yeah, oh, no, see, it's uh, also his fault, too, so <laughs> don't get it twisted, Tom. Yeah, that, because, yeah. now I, because now I'm talking about a Jimmy Havoc match, so we yeah, have that double whammy. He's got the <laughs> ASMR voice, like, talking about the fucking... <laughs> 
Jimmy Havoc match. It's like no, it's the NPR voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, but I'll I'll make it short. I mean, I see Jimmy all Havoc things as considered. a <laughs> yeah, all, all things considered. Uh, I see Jimmy Havoc as a guy, and Lawrence touched on this, where you have a guy who does these. Uh, for just lack of a better term, garbage spots, these hardcore spots. But it doesn't really have any innovation to them. There's no uh, Jimmy Havoc style, to say the least. It's just a guy doing these things. And when everyone can just do those things, there's nothing really special to it. I think about guys like Mick Foley and Sabu and Hayabusha and uh, Otani and just so many other people who, uh, through their quote-unquote, again, garbage wrestling or deathmatch wrestling or hardcore style, they have their own uniqueness to it. Uh, With moves, uh, the way they uh, do certain moves, uh, even defense, like Mick Foley getting hung up in the ropes. He he at one point loved doing that spot until he stopped loved doing that spot. Uh, Just so many things like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy Havoc just doesn't have any of that. I don't feel the urgency in his matches. I feel as though he's a guy who just says, all right, guys, it's time to get hardcore, and, you know, goes on the ring, and whatever's there is there. Yeah, Yeah, grab the the wrench this time, a wrench. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they they didn't even mention mention of his blading scars, you know. Exactly. As as far as Kip Sabian is concerned, just real quick on this, he needs to get on steroids. I mean, this guy is <laughs> way too skinny. Jesus. I, he has a great look. Penelope with him, good look. He's serviceable in the ring. Uh, but it's time that he starts training with Pac, doing a little hanging and banging on Venice Beach, and come back. I think, uh, yeah, he needs, he needs to bulk up. Can we get Tom every week? <laughs> uh, Tom? <laughs> Yeah, I should be available. Okay. Get, <laughs> all right, all right. I, 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 get, get Kip Sabian on the gas. Oh, my God. All right. All right. In any event, Paige wins with a with a buckshot lariat, and uh, Omega and Paige retain the titles, and thank God the, the nightmare scenario I thought that could happen last week did not happen. But... Then they they go ahead and announce the defense uh, against Best Friends during Fighter Fest. So they announce the dates and times for Fighter Fest. Now they're going. Fighter Fest is actually going to be on TNT on July first and July eighth. Those are Wednesday nights, but they're running it at ten p.m. Eastern, nine p.m. Central. Uh, oh, God, what is why? going on there? What? I missed. I missed that. Oh, I was talking yeah. to my girlfriend when I. So I might have missed those like little details like that. Oh my god! Why so are, are they, they going to be? That? Are they going to be running regular episodes of Dynamite and then Fighter Fest? And also, why is it a two night event? That yeah, that sounds almost like what they're doing. That, that makes no sense. Oh my. Well, god. the two night event is fashionable during the pandemic. WWE two nights of WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. TNA two nights of. Or to kill or rebellion i can't remember the name of the show uh, and now it looks like aew is doing the same thing everything during the pandemic must be moved to two nights as the event is too big for one night they didn't really go into much detail because again as you mentioned 
uh, too nice? Is this something that, because TNA has done this before, where instead of having Destination X as a pay-per-view, it's really just a special episode of Impact with Destination X type gimmick, imagery, etc. And I'm wondering if this is the same thing or if this is more going to be like a uh, late 90s WWF Raw is War style where the first hour is Raw, second hour is uh, Raw is War. In oh, this case, Warzone, first hour yeah. being Dynamite. Oh, yeah, the War Zone. Oh, in this case, yeah. uh, the first hour is Dynamite. The second hour is Fighter Fest. Well, that doesn't tra- and then they do that for two weeks. But that doesn't track because the starting time it's will be after ten. when their normal episode of Dynamite would, would end. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that doesn't track. So I'm wondering... I'm thinking, okay, could they be getting preempted for something? But if so, what? It certainly isn't the NBA. It might be. Really? You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be why. Because, Jeff, yeah, because they announced today. it's they're They're going forward with the playoffs. Oh, shit. Like... Yeah, they're doing a 22-team playoff. They're going to play like eight regular season games, and then they're going to do the playoffs, the 22-team playoff. Oh, sure. So, okay. so yeah, that probably, you know what? That's probably why. So you might see. That's kind of wishful thinking that the, that the games are going to be done by 10 o'clock. Uh, oh well, well, if, well. I guess maybe if they have a six, if it's seven p.m. Eastern tip on, well, maybe they could get. Yeah, it done. yeah, yeah. That's probably what they're doing. Then that's yeah, that that's a very good point. Okay, uh, well, I I wasn't aware of that. Maybe that's maybe that's why. Okay, that, I think that's got to be the that's got to well, that, be the. Well, then that makes some sense. Then that, that uh, would that, make the most sense. That hundred percent like works with the timeline i mean it, i mean that's like a month away and i assume that's probably about the time they're gonna be yeah doing Ju- this. july 1st and july 8th it, uh, right so okay. all right well maybe i'm wrong then but yeah, it's that's gonna, well that still sucks though it, it's gonna play hell for this show so we, we, we yeah so we, yeah the, the the shows may be late during those weeks oh my god Jeff, you're not gonna stay up you're not gonna stay up till like one in the morning you grandpa one in the morning <laughs> I mean, yeah, doing the shows. I, no, there's no way. That's what I'm saying. We're, yeah, the oh, shows yeah, are going to be late this week. Yeah, the shows are going to be late <laughs> this week. So. No, hell no, I'm not. We come back f- from commercial, and uh, for some reason, Tully, Tully, and uh, Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears are uh, in a car, and Tully gives Sean Spears a black glove. Like, what is this? Like the 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 old Ted DiBiase thing. I guess so. From Mid-South? Okay, great. Uh, I guess so. That's the where they're going with that. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, oh, my God. They, That's they're what they're just... doing, but they're kind of missing it because DiBiase, uh, Blackjack, all these guys, when they had the glove, they looked tough. <laughs> they looked like they yeah. could whoop your ass with or without the glove, but the glove just added that little extra something. Sean whereas like a fucking geek. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? Give me a hip toss with that glove? And that's pretty much what it's going to be. So he, he doesn't have the style for it. He doesn't have the charisma. The Sean Spears experiment, the fact that it's still going on, good for him. He's getting a paycheck. Uh, too bad for the fans who have to actually oh, that, sit that, through this. That contract has to be el- elapsing soon, though. Oh, man. Please They're tell me. This. It has to they, be. 
they're just probably banging their heads up against the wall at this point. I mean, Cody, Cody is just like, Cody's like, I can just see, like, picture how this went in the production meeting. Like, Cody's, like, thumbing through all his, like, old wrestling references. He's like, fuck, I'm running out, I'm running out, I'm running out. Oh, ah, the Mid-South Glove. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that and that doesn't mean anything Holy, to here. the new fans. To the fans... <laughs> I feel like a lot of the fans watching AEW that came in because of Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and the geek chic culture, they don't understand that. It doesn't no, mean they anything. Don't. They it don't. Is, it's literally a guy putting on a, uh, you know, like a laced glove. I 100% and, believe Cody definitely did this, this angle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this we get a recap of chris jericho versus mike tyson which i still do not want um dude i forgot something we did not talk about last week can we talk about how embarrassing it was that tyson couldn't even get his fucking shirt off dude he couldn't even tear his own shirt off right this man is supposed to make a boxing comeback and 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 this is where aew does a lot of things right one of the things that they do way better than WWE is the cinematic matches, or the cinematches, as they're called by some. AEW, they pretty much have it down. The comedy bits, the vignettes, they do it better than WWE. But one thing that WWE would have really excelled in, had Jericho and Tyson happened there, the commentators would have called out Rashad Evans, Henry Cerruto, uh, mm-hmm. Vitor Belfort, the accomplishments of these men, where they stand as far as sports is concerned. Uh, obviously, Rashad Evans, UFC light heavyweight uh, champion, uh, UFC Hall of Famer Vitor Belfort, heavy hands, former UFC light heavyweight champion, Henry Cejudo, two division champion, uh, U.S. Olympic medalist. And Tyson, you mentioned tearing off the shirt. If this were oh. WWE, they would have just cut the top off just a little. So he can easily tear it. Is little things like this that make a segment that, and by all accounts, it achieved what AEW wanted it to achieve. They oh, were in yeah. ESPN. They were in Bleacher Report. They were in SE, uh, Sports Illustrated, reported all over the world. TMZ. So they got that. The problem is, is that when you start taking a look at the, uh, take a look at the segment holistically. There's a lot of minor things that make this come off uh, sort of minor league to me. Uh, this yeah, could have been a like bigger almost deal. Almost like a WWE knockoff exactly. like, angle. It's, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really well, bad, and a lot of people really don't want to see the conclusion, or not even the c- conclusion, but this going any further. I mean, I, what I, is this leading towards? Right. I mean, this is we're, we're talking about we're paying off a, a raw guest host angle from 2010. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I mean, that, that, well, that, that's what we were talking about the other day. I mean, last well, last few episodes, how wrestling stuck in 1998, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, showing up on Raw, you know, yeah. I mean, come on. Anyway, I, I don't want to talk anymore about this. Let's let's, let's move on. Uh, our second match, 
Brian Cage with Taz against uh, Sean Dean, who uh, I don't think I've ever seen before unless he's been on Dark. Um, one of the only one of the only two black wrestlers in the ring, and he gets destroyed yeah. uh, in this episode. Oh. Yeah, maybe a little tone deaf given this that was. Week. That was this was a squash through and through. Um, I mean, there's really nothing a lot to talk about here. Uh, I mean, he Cage did his thing. It wasn't even really that impressive of a squash. I thought it, it really was just kind of like a in and out ordeal. I didn't really, I didn't think it made Cage look like really like um, impressive or anything. No, uh, I, personally. It was all just segue so so Taz could talk some trash to Mox, and Mox can show up and and show that he's uh, taller than Brian Cage. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know, uh, I think they I think they got to be really careful here because I almost think Taz is like completely overshadowing Cage at this point. And I, I I think he's almost taking the show away from Cage, and that's not because he's meaning to. It's just because Taz is so good at what he does. Yeah, I mean, it is Taz we're talking about. I mean, I mean and like Cage is just kind of standing there. Hands up, who worshipped Taz from like '96 <laughs> to '99? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and he just Taz just comes off like you know, like a real like just badass. But like Cage is just kind of standing there, like, yeah, <laughs> or me, <laughs> me Cage, me Cage, me. Listen to big, Taz, big thump. <laughs> and and I think this match could have really used more Vince McMahon what a maneuver type of commentary oh. <laughs> with just because Cage was he wasn't as reckless as Ahmed Johnson so let's be clear about that but uh, there was a lot of offense in there where the commentary was selling another story but I wish they really you know really focused on that really drive it home the impact the intensity. Uh, the carnage in the ring, and let it go from there. But overall, a uh, pretty okay segment. Uh, obviously, this company is building Brian Cage to mean something. Uh, so based off his other big title matches uh, in Impact, I expect him to have a really great match with Moxley at Fighter Fest. And then we move on after the commercial break to last month's edition of the big intimidating mofo coming in to take a title uh lance archer with jake the snake roberts and he's beating up and he's beating up that orange and black mass luchador from last week that i don't know who that is isn't that el separate code or is serpentico or something it's not serpentico serpentico has oh, a different it's not oh, serpentico okay. he has a different mass it's somebody else i need to know who this is I, I wish I had that information for you, but I I really don't. Yeah. Um, so, this is really this is really weird. I'm like, why? How did he find this guy in like the middle of like like a fucking like uh, wasteland? Park, yeah, industrial <laughs> park. Like, I'm like, how, where? What? How did this happen? Like, where? How did we get here? Yeah, I I don't know. And why is Alex Marvez just kind of yeah? yeah why is do, he there? Doofing around? Yeah. Yeah, so this, like, this is like what Jay, I think. I think Jake, Jake uh, Roberts looking sorry. like he's like afraid now. Like he's like he's like, oh no, what have I created? <laughs> I think what's happening here is Lance Archer is kidnapping uh, these various wrestlers or backstage personnel, or maybe he's inviting them to lunch 
to try and make peace. Hey, let's go to this taco shop. Yeah, I know it's by the wharf. Don't really pay attention to it. It's not really on Google Maps. Uh, they're only open between these hours. Please come. Don't bring, you know, don't call the cops or anything. I'll pay for everything. I feel like and Lance they is come out and they get beat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see Lance uh, calling people in for barbecue, but you have to, you know, feed your victims. So if you told me barbecue, I'm not coming. You tell me tacos, I'm on my way. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, he's just beating them up at the same time. He makes a call to Alex Marvez or whomever it may be and says, hey, guys, uh, me and Jake, we have a special announcement. Come out here. And so that's how the paths cross. Lance Archer calls someone out just to beat him up and uh, he just so happens to get a nice interview at that time. And then they just walk away and the Lucha Man has no tacos. He's just wow. uh, eating. Damn. That's then- just wrong <laughs> i know D- promising someone food and then denying it that's just that's some horseshit man that's that's but a I true love, heel but shit. i love that about his gimmick not that he's not feeding people but he's serving up the right hands so the <laughs> moment the bell rings and he's walking to the ring he's already beating up a guy yeah like i love that i think it's hilarious he doesn't and waste a, a nice time. touch to his character exactly no time wasted no energy wasted <laughs> We move on to a video segment with uh, Private Party and uh, Not Insane Matt Hardy. Um, so not only is that a positive step, but Mark Quinn apparently not injured. Yeah, yeah, I, it makes me think that wasn't that was kind of more of a worked injury. To, to uh, it was kind of where I was leaning towards after I mean, I did, we did the show last week. It, is it possible that it really did hurt at the time, and you know, as time went on, it turned out to be not so bad? Yeah, it's possible too. Uh, um, I mean, either it, way, at the time, it could have really hurt, but you know, it's, yeah. but anyway, so so Matt Hardy's not broken anymore, I guess, and then he bumps into Sammy Guevara in the hallway, and Sammy Guevara is as confused as we are. Yeah, well, 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 like let's talk about this private party segment though, because they we didn't, you know, there was more to it than that. I mean, they, you know, so they're like kind of like he kind of wants to tutor them essentially. He's kind of like saying like he wants to take them under his wing a little bit because right. he they kind of remind him of 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 Jeff and and himself, and uh, they were kind of fangirling over it and. Uh, and like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's interesting, but I feel like AEW just does this like a little too much. They go to this, this like old, the, the older gen tutors, the younger gen like card a little too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 and, no, I can see that. Yeah, they, it's like, I feel like they're just, they're just doing it with a lot of people now. And that's what's really unfortunate. I mean, you talk about. Is Matt Hardy going to tutor them, or is he going to tutor them? Is this going to be the broken universe? Oh, private yeah. party. Oh no! You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on. Let me recover. So, <laughs> uh, oh god, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. So you, you know, like you said, uh, just playing to. Uh, the old crowd to the legends, if you will, or to the veterans. Uh, it's like a 90s sequel. Every dance sequel, you take a look at uh, Breaking and then Breaking 2, and they wanted to do Breaking 3, where 
the old heads from the 80s come back to show the new school how it's done. And that's kind of like every sequel in it, just any dance movie. The well, old how, people well, want to come back the, and... Well, how about all, the, uh, how about all the, uh, the 21st century Rocky and, and Apollo Creed movies? Yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah. And so. I don't know. If I was Private Party, I wouldn't care about Mar- Matt Hardy's... I, I wouldn't care. Well, I, I, you know what? If it gets him back on TV and and you know actual more ring time, um, let's let's do it because uh, I think they're fantastic and they they need a lot more they need more polish after you know being away from TV for so long. So oh yeah, definitely. Moving on, our third match of the evening: uh, Boom Boom Colt Cabana, Chicago's own, up against uh, Le Champion Chris Jericho. Um, Sammy Guevara badly singing. Oh, uh, Judas was something. <laughs> uh, that that was painful. <laughs> well, I think intentionally so. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was supposed was, to be. Well, yeah. Jesus, holy Christ! But, uh, this match was not painful. Actually, this was pretty damn good. Uh, this was probably one of the better matches of the night. Um, I I thought Cabana fucking had one of his best performances I've seen in a long ass time. Oh yeah. He was he was on yeah. fire here. Yeah, he got he got bust out, he, he got a bloody lip early in the match and just kept on going. Uh I mean, it, yeah, he he put in a performance. This Cole, was Cole can work when he wants to. I, I I that's the that's the key phrase, you know. It was like when he when he really wants to. Cole Colt can Cole can go. I mean, this surely was a first time matchup. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah, he wanted to impress, and I, I think he did. Um, that Judas effect, though, to end the match. Yeah, that was that, that, that was nice. I thought that was a very clever, like I thought that was a really clever finish in general. Uh, be with Cabana like slipping off, you know, like it made it seem like you know, oh, he screwed up, and then his screw up actually led to consequences. Yeah. And I, I, I like I like finishes like that because it's like it feels it feels very real when when you do when that that happens like he like it looked like he slipped and then his slip led to something bad for him and you know it, it makes those it, it makes that it puts forth that you know it puts over the the fact of like you know a little mistake can end the match in wrestling. And yeah. I think I think that's a that's a really good uh, for me that's a, that's why that's a really good finish. Yeah, uh, Tom, what do you think about this match? It was definitely entertaining. Uh, again, first time Jericho and Cabana squared off, and it's amazing to think as long as these guys have been in the business, they've been in the same companies, uh, in some cases at the same time, or uh, working with companies that have partnerships with each other. First time squaring off, uh, so it was fun to see a great finish, as mentioned, uh, because again, Jericho tricked a man. Cabana took the bait. Jericho reversed, and he's still La Champion. Yes, he is. It's a very fun. Afterwards, he uh, Jericho cuts a promo where he's calling out Mike Tyson, demanding the baddest man on the planet come out right now. So of course. We get Orange Cassidy, who is, of course, the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, so, I mean, it was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
and, and a much more preferable match, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there were some shenanigans with uh, with Orange Cassidy, including he put Jericho's hands in his belt. In his belt. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was a beautiful. Um, so OC escapes to uh, to the welcoming arms of uh, of, of Trent and, and Chuck Taylor. So, uh, so good for him. No, that was that was beautiful. I love that segment. It uh, it upended our expectations after all the uh, the hype about Mike Mike Tyson. Yeah. And then for some reason we get a recap of the first hour. <laughs> I don't know why. And then. We get a Britt Baker training vignette. Oh my god! This was ridiculous. This was ridiculous. It was funny, but it was ridiculous. <laughs> Tony coming in to cheer her on was like the fucking funniest goddamn thing. I don't know why it was so fucking funny, but it was. It, Tony Tony is just one of those guys that can make that work. Like, yeah. and he just. Uh, it was just like, oh my god! It was just like perfect fucking comedic timing on his part. <laughs> and, yeah, and it, it was it was fucking hilarious. Like, like <laughs> I, I'm all for for Britt Baker just continuing to be just this fucking annoying, like annoying, self-absorbed, like like uh, narcissist going forward. Yeah, it's actually done done wonders for you know. Her, her bearability in the, <laughs> on the program. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think, Britt I think Baker. Tom, yeah, I think Tom. Oh, I'm you sorry, were, Tom. Yeah, I was saying you were on the show with me the week that mm-hmm. we decided that. Oh yeah, this is actually working. Oh yeah, yeah. For a very long time, I mean, vanilla vacuum of charisma. Bit. I It's always hard to say her name. The alliteration, but Britt Baker. Uh, she just wasn't clicking. It wasn't there in the ring. It wasn't there in the promos. I just didn't understand it. And that was because she was miscast. She needs to be a heel. She's been fantastic. It's finally clicked. It's working. I would love to see her in front of an audience, a live audience. AEW needs that live audience more than anyone. I mean, we take a look at the MJF and Jungle Jack Perry match uh, from not too long ago from the pay-per-view. Amazing. Imagine if the crowd was there behind babyface Jungle Boy, behind that heel, giving him that heat with MJF. It would have elevated that. And Britt Baker right now, she's doing what she needs to do. She's very entertaining. I want to see her get her ass kicked every week. Uh so this is just fantastic. I like what they're doing. I wish they had a crowd to just really give her the shit that she needs. And um, it's really interesting. It's going to be really fun. I'm all in. Okay, we're, we're going to kind of rush through this a, a little bit because I know we're, we're like, <laughs> we're already over an hour on this show. So um, okay. fourth match on the show, uh, Nyla Rose defeats uh, Big Swole. This match was all right. I mean, Big Swole has a little bit of ring rust from not wrestling the last two and a half months. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this match was okay. Um, again, uh, a little tone deaf at, you know, one of the only two black wrestlers to actually wrestle tonight and uh, doesn't win. Well, big, uh, well, 
Big Swole was would looked really great in this match. I mean, she mm-hmm. she did she had a, a lion's share of the offense. Honestly, she did. Like, yeah, I mean, she. Yeah, I mean, it, it took her a little bit, but she did get into a rhythm. But you could still tell she's a little bit of a got a little bit of ring rust there. Oh yeah, no, definitely. There was a couple of points where it was like, oh yeah, she's that didn't look too, too smooth on her part. A couple of transitions and stuff that definitely left a little bit to be desired. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, but that's not like you said. It's definitely understandable. Yeah. And I think that Big Swole is probably one of the only faces in the women's uh, AEW division, so the AEW women's division, that can actually take a number of losses and still remain over. So she has that Scott Hall uh, type of vibe to her. I can't think of any other faces that as of right now can take as many L's uh, as Big Swole has and still remain over, respectable, and people still want to see them. Right. Okay, that, and that's a fair point. So, uh, we go. We have uh, several interview segments here. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Darby Allen, where he 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 makes some sort of threatening statement towards uh, Taz and 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 Brian Cage. Uh, we then get this this vaunted interview with FTR. Um, there wasn't really much of anything, although I took some real exception to them, you know, blasting the Lucha Bros. <laughs> well, this is, that's their gimmick, Jeff. Well, yeah. That's... Okay, and fair enough. I, I'm not intently familiar with, you know, the Revival or whatever, or FTR or well, whatever they're calling themselves. Like I told you, Tully Arn Old School Tribute Act. Okay, well. That, that's that's literally what they are. I mean, that's like, I, I can't I can't explain it any much more than that. They're, that's... <laughs> They they're, they're literally that's why they said like follow the rules when they like is one of the names that they said they go by because their big thing is like we do you know we do tag team wrestling that like by the rules like by the book right like you know how they did used to do it well I, I I look forward to actually seeing them in the ring which we I think it looks like we will next week against the butcher and the blade who yeah are, they are rocking they the white it. now again. God, that that is slow. that is a look. Um, I will say that much. It is. It's definitely a look. That is a decision. <laughs> yeah, I thought the only person that wore white jeans in pro wrestling was Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh, don't do not summon that. Na- do not mention that name in my presence. J E double F. J E ha ha. And then we get an interview backstage with Colt Cabana, and uh, Brody Lee tries his sales pitch on him. Yeah, for the second week in a row, the Dark Order has tried to uh, recruit him. So, hmm, okay. I don't, I don't see it going anywhere, except maybe a Brody Lee Colt Cabana match, which, hey, that could be cool. I'll, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we get our main event of the evening, uh, Cody Rhodes versus Jungle Boy for the terrible neck tattoo title. I have been waiting all episode <laughs> to say that. God damn it. Oh, boy. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I only have a couple of notes on uh, about this match. First of all, I was much more interested in the Jungle Boy versus MJF interaction than I was in the match. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was that was interesting. Well, I don't know. I thought the match was pretty good. I mean, I thought it was, it was all very, right. Yeah, the match was all right. I thought I thought it was done well. I thought I thought it was the structure was good. I mean, like I thought you know Cody. I and you know I'm seeing who now Cody is facing next week. I think I'm I'm turning my stance on this a little bit because. If Cody's going to use this title to help further the younger younger guys, I'm all for it. Yeah, well, that's what it should be used for. And, and, and I, I'm, I am all, all for that. If that's what Cody's going to do and wrestle the young guys like this every week and, like, give them shots like this uh, on, a, on a consistent basis and, and, you know, give them a little bit of a rub. I, I mean, I think there there's really a lot of benefits to that that strategy. So... I, I think I'm I'm turning around on on him doing this because uh, I, I thought this was a pretty good match and I think Jungle Boy definitely just it further helped him even more. Uh, he's got a lot of momentum on his side right now. Yeah, no, no, no. I I don't disagree with that. Um, and you know, especially since now it looks like next week it's going to be uh, Mark Quinn. Uh, yeah, we'll be facing him. That's interesting, but okay. I'm, I'm yeah. here. For, I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, um, Cody's forehead's gonna look like Abdul the Butcher's by the time he's like in his thirties. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to uh, open up my new website. Hold on, I gotta remember what the uh, what I wrote here. <laughs> what my new website is? Is it uh, can Cody Rhodes wrestle without blading? Dot com? Yeah, no, the, the answer is no. No, he cannot. I mean, hey, did you see? Oh my God, the the blood splatter actually hit the camera lens. Yeah, did you pretty see gross. that? Ugh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, he kicked himself pretty good. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, w- was that really necessary, though? No, it's not. Not, not <laughs> for a Jungle Boy match. It, it, not for a it, TV like, title match. Yeah, like now, like I think Cody's got to be careful of doing this because he's gonna like he's gonna like like le- lessen the significance of it if he keeps doing it like this all the fucking time. Well, he's gonna get his. He's also gonna get in trouble with somebody at the network too. Yeah, that's probably a, a solid point. <laughs> I mean, I remember... why is the T TNT champion blading every uh, Wednesday night? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, what is this? <laughs> but uh, Cody retains. We'll face Mark Quinn next week. Yeah, Jungle Boy looked pretty good on this. Um. Uh, do you, either of you have any final thoughts on that match, or or on the yeah on that match? I guess just some final thoughts. Uh, again, as you mentioned, Jungle Boy uh, came out looking great uh, despite the loss. Cody, less is more. Uh, I love the crossroads every time I see it. Uh, it's a great finisher. It looks like it hurts. It's a snapping effect right on the neck uh, or right on the head in some cases. And Mark Quinn, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms of uh, AEW is you have to let these guys wrestle each other. You have the John Moxley's and the Cody Rhodes and the Brody Lee's and guys who've been to WWE who know that style and can wrestle that style. And in some cases, uh, they either have that same style or they've infused it over the years with various other styles. Lenny, Mark Quinn, and Jungle Boy, and a lot of these other guys uh, wrestle against guys like Cody will only benefit the roster. So it's great that Cody is uh, just making sure that he's able to touch everyone uh, in some way, shape, or form. Let him get that in-ring experience. 
and uh, have them work different styles. That isn't necessarily a uh, spot fest or quick PWG style match that some of these guys are uh, used working to. And I, they I, only know that style and speed. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I'm sorry. Did you say quick PWG match? Maybe. I, I, I can't think of a PWG <laughs> match that lasted less than 20 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might have said quick. But yes, a PWG style match regardless of the length. Uh, but yeah, like I said, overall, it was a good way to end Dynamite. The belt is still incomplete uh, so that's interesting uh, but yeah overall good good match um usually i do a pros and cons in this segment but we're over time the the one big con i think that you know again i will, it remains to be seen whether or not the 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 black lives matter statement at the beginning of the show is, is going to be hollow or not i still think it was really tone deaf and again i know that this show was pre-taped i don't know exactly when it was taped but, you know, the fact that we had only two, uh, you know, African-American wrestlers on the show wrestling and they both lost, I thought that was a little tone deaf, uh, given everything. Um, otherwise, it, this was a fairly decent show, uh, considering I, I, we nearly didn't do this show this week because of everything going on, but we decided to, 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 to go forward with it. Because we had, you know, some things we wanted to get off our chest about the situation. Uh, Lawrence, uh, overall, what are you, your impressions of the show? Oh, did we lose Lawrence? Lawrence oh, has yeah. fallen asleep. <laughs> oh, did you did you lull him, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> You're almost there, Lawrence. Uh, yeah. See, I told you this was going to fucking happen to me. <laughs> oh, We're almost at the finish line. You can do it. Oh, maybe, we should just go, maybe we should just go to the plugs. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. Uh, Tom, go ahead and plug yourself. From now on, when anyone does that slow walk to one direction, hopefully to something better, we should play that somber and slowed down version of the Imperial March as they begin to walk away. <laughs> as we're walking oh. away from this episode of Boomdo Goes to the Dynamite. Oh, just, okay. Yeah, so uh, plugs for me. Uh, obviously, again, Pro Wrestling Only, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Military Industrial Suplex. I have a recent episode with Zicky Dice. And something coming down with Stephen Graham. Uh, Stephen Ooh. Graham, we're going to do a little something soon. So that should be released. And I got a little other guests I'm talking to. Things lined up. So fun episodes. And, of course, so many other shows. Worldcast. This show, of course, Boom Goes to Dynamite. Days of Thunder. Whatever show Stephen Graham decides to do that week. So Shimmer History. <laughs> Who's next? So many good ones. Check it out. The Pro Wrestling Only feed. The network. Pro Wrestling Mostly. Now, with yeah. Gideon Guys and so many other shows. So, yes. That's my plug for everyone. Even we move through the years. As we move through the years. Lawrence, go ahead. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at lob underscore three. Um, might be doing another uh, Pure on the Rough episode this weekend. Um, I don't, I don't know how much wrestling we're going to be talking about. Like, like particularly like re- like wrestling like topics. I mean, probably some stuff. Um, related to wrestling with a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. So I, I think we're going to be, we're going to be interlacing a lot of that kind of like we did here. So. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no I, I feel that um, you can find me at strong style story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel. Um, we may be doing another busting balls this weekend because we have, <laughs> um, some news to discuss considering like uh, the other three major European leagues have now set dates for return. So uh, we, we do want to talk about that. Um, I don't know if we're going to do the full episode or if we're going to just do another pod blast. And then also um, I'm going to be uploading something I did last weekend uh, with my good friend uh, Dion Wells uh, over on his channel. Uh, I'm going to put a version of it up on, on the PWO feed Um it's kind of a pilot episode for, uh, you know, as much as Strong Style Story and Strong Style History talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, this is the King's Road Bar and Grill, where we do a watch-along of a classic All Japan match. And in this case, it's it just so happens to be my favorite one of all time uh, at, on its 25th, as we hit up to its 25th anniversary. So, oh, yes. uh, so stay tuned for that uh, yeah. later this week on the feed. So, um yeah, so there's that. Tom, thank you very much for agreeing to join us this week. Um, I, I felt it was important to get another voice, uh, you know, a, a, a more marginalized voice on this show to discuss this topic. So I, 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 I really appreciate, pre- appreciate it. Uh, Lawrence, uh, thanks as always. You know, I really do appreciate you coming on the show all the time. Oh, yeah. Do this, so... Um, and with that, uh, we, we've really run over our time, but it was kind of necessary to do it for the first, uh, for the first segment, uh, cause we had some more important things to talk about, but until then, uh, we'll see you either later this weekend on the feed or we will see you next week for episode 36. So, uh, yeah. take care. <laughs>